Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, welcome back to the Baseball America Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Ponce. I am here, as always, with Dylan White, the master of the Robo Scout. I don't care what you say. You control the robot, Dylan. The <laughs> robot doesn't control you. What's going on, man? How are you? How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. A uh, podcast during the day, uh, not our usual thing, and uh, I like oh. it. We're going to turn it around real quick, it. too, and get it... Uh, get it on for the folks uh for their drive home that way that they're they're ready to roll right that's what i'm looking forward to so let's do it um i wanted to sort of circle back here uh get a little self self-deprecating myself um but you know i think it's important that we're accountable this is going to hype you up a bit because you've been good this year i've been awful in expert leagues my my tout team while it had some bad luck, I really haven't made great moves in the second half of the season for two years in a row and uh, have just sort of failed to uh, sneak into the back end of the playoffs. I've had a lot of injury. I drafted a very uh, or auction bought a, a very risky team and uh, I've paid the price uh, heavily this year. I think I'm going to take a more measured approach next season and try to go for more value versus sort of stars and scrubs because then you kind of invest pretty heavily in these in these shallower leagues and some top players it's worked for me before um not so much this year and uh you know i'm kind of paying the price so i think i'm uh, 10th out of 12 9th out of 12 pretty bad i think i'm seventh in points overall so i'll take some solace in the fact that i'm more of a middle tier team i think than uh one of the bottom three teams but who knows manager performance hasn't been good i am now dead last in labor nl labor i've been getting smoked there uh i was kind of staying afloat i think the highest i ever got was maybe eighth might have might have snuck up the seventh early um but was kind of like 10th ninth and 10th for a good chunk of the season but uh last week i dropped into last place and uh my team there's not a lot of hope and you know what the thing i've noticed there is once again 
spent big on stars, overspent on some players. I way overspent on Brandon Donovan. I really bought into Brandon Donovan this offseason, and that was that was silly narrative that I created in my head. Uh, I had some injuries. Aaron Nola wasn't as good as I thought Aaron Nola was going to be. I backed off in the, the Corbin Carroll hunt. Uh, probably could have gone another $2 higher, and I might have gotten him which I think would have changed the entire surface of my draft and just everything that I did in that auction. Um, so if I'm allowed to go back next year, because my performance was so bad this year, who knows if I'm allowed to go back to NL labor next year, I, uh, I will approach it differently and I will buy some closers this time, Dylan. So I'm learning some lessons, but uh, Hey, I got a first round buy in my home head to head points league. So uh, that's good. I'm going to make the playoffs in my 30 team league. Um, I get a mid-season league that drafted that uh, I'm doing really, really well in. So uh, I don't know. I, I I have a lot of good teams just in my expert leagues, my you know pert leagues or whatever. I'm getting my tail kicked in, Dylan. So how about you? How are you doing in tout? And uh, I heard uh, I heard a rumor that uh, you're involved in a, a main event team that's performing pretty well. Uh, we'll start with the tout. Okay, um, I, I think. Just for you, just uh, since you're on the ledge, really doubting your abilities. I just want to say that in a 12-team league, it, it requires a lot of management. Daily, like, a lot of uh, attention. I'm in tout, 12-team, and, like, every week it's so volatile. The standards are so so volatile. So, like, if you don't have the ability and you are so busy and you're so stretched ninja putting out all the content you do that it's very hard to stay on top so in a 12 team league i would not expect you to do you know particularly well uh when everyone else can spend time on it so um don't worry about your auction league team and yeah, i don't else. know my, i have a 12 team um daily moves league and i'm doing great <laughs> <laughs> If I can make moves and like roster bait and like uh, stream, I'm actually pretty good at that. Um, I've really learned how to leverage Razball's tools and what we have at our disposal over the years. So, uh, yeah, I, dude, I think it's just like I've had like DeGrom went down, Nesta Cortez went down, I lost Kershaw for a good chunk of the year. Um, you know, I've had a bunch of hitters that underperformed. I lost my trout, you know, for most of the year. Um, he was on and then off again in the IL. So like, yeah, it's, it's just been a litany of like injuries and things that really have, have sunk me. And uh, I haven't bought the good replacements, you know? I, I so I'm currently in first in tout. Um, <laughs> but t- yesterday I was in second, like it's going back and forth. And like, there was a time it was like four teams were all within a half point of first or something like that a few days ago. Um for me, luckily, because it's been busy, I haven't been able to, you know, spend so much time on it. Um, the roster construction I have is not really, I, I haven't really needed to do anything um, too in-depth. Like, my OBP is, like, dead last, so I don't care about OBP. I can't catch up. My my whip and ERA is so good. Like, I have such a huge lead somehow. I have Gossman, Kershaw, uh, Garrett Cole, um, and I guess somehow they've they've given me a huge cushion, a huge lead. So I don't even look at ER right All I'm doing is picking up double start starters for the rest of the year to just accumulate innings in case because it cannot hurt me in whipping ERA. So all my my decisions are very easy. So uh, I don't have to do too much thought. I can just kind of cruise and just hope that I, you know, stay near the top. But I've got Bubba in that league who was in first yesterday, and he's in my TGFBI league. 
and he's in first in my TGFBI. Like he's killing it this year. Um, I'm in third. I don't think I can get any higher. I've been trying, but I have Tanner Scott and now he's the closer. So that's good. I have Jojo Romero. He's possibly the closer unless Helsley comes back um, and, and steals it from him. But uh, yeah, it's been tough. All the injuries have been very, very tough. Um, what else do I have? The OC that I kind of co-manage with uh, Jordan Rosenblum. Um, we're in first. No, hold on. Back up. Explain oh. what that is for people. Because not everybody necessarily listening to this podcast might be up and on their NFBC contests and right. payouts and sort of uh, level of play. This is a very high-level competition uh, that's typically a fairly expensive buy-in. Right. So an OC is a 12-team league, 14 hitters, 9 pitchers, um, 7 bench, no injury list spots. Batting average, 5 by 5 roto. Um, it saves. Uh, so it's 12 teams. And the buy-in is either 350 or $700, depending which one you do. Um, I think second place, they only pay out the first two for each league. I think second place, you get your money back. And first place gets, I don't know, like five times your, your buy-in. And then the rest goes into an overall component. Um so that has good payouts. I think it's it's like seventy five thousand maybe for for the OC. So um, we have no chance in the overall. We're like our best team is five hundredth or something like that. We got to like fiftieth at one point, and then you know we have Degrom, we have we had Judge stuff. A whole bunch of guys got injured, um, but that's the story for everybody. So we're we're in first in one of the leagues, fighting for for the money in the other league. Um, so there's that. Then there's a main overall, a main event, which is a 15-team league. Same format, 14 hitters, 9 pitchers, 7 bench, no IL. 5x5 five five roto with batting average and saves. Uh, I think it's 3,500 or no, maybe No, maybe, no, 1750, 1,700 US. Like, it's quite big. This is the thing that Phil Dusso won a couple of years ago. This is the, the big one. This, this is, is the, the big, big one. one. Yeah, this is the big one. Like, Lindy Hinkleman and Bob Carmitola won last year. Um, so that's the one that people are, are fighting for. Um, 15 teams. There's an overall component. Um, so, you know, Hall of Famer, Brian Slack. Uh, this is going to be his last year. So he went out with a bang. And I'm kind of co, co-managing is generous, but I'm, I'm co-involved in that one. And uh, we're in the top five right now in the overall. We had a big day yesterday. We did a bunch of streaming and... Uh, and yeah, that's a, so that's a good one. So that one's taking a lot of time too. That has a two hundred thousand uh, dollar U.S. prize if you win. I think it's the biggest one this year because of the popularity. There's seven hundred ninety five entrants in the the main event. So in one of the hardest main events of all time, you are currently uh, in the number one spot with uh, as a co manager with the legend Brian Slack. So there you go, man. That's uh. That's huge news. That's big stuff. I'm uh, I'm extremely excited about that, actually. Um, not just because you could potentially be like fairly fantasy wealthy, but uh, you're like ironed as a you're ironed in as a legend. Like once that happens, like that's like taking down the World Series of the Super Bowl, or you know, pick your competition of sport. You know, the mat the 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 North American Pac-Man Championship, if you will. It is, it is that of the fantasy baseball world. Um, let's get into some baseball. We're going to have some interesting conversations today. We're going to kind of go in a little bit about some players. I think looking forward to next year, players who maybe underperform this year or have some question marks and maybe some 
potential playing time opportunities next year as well. Uh, so looking forward a little bit because at this point, a lot of teams have closed, a lot of leagues have closed their waiver wire. I know my 30 team league closed its waiver wire this week. Um, so no more ads are going to be able to be made. Um, you're going into last week and a lot of stuff. And then you're kind of in the the stretch run here and maybe you're picking up onesie twosie guys, but I would, I would imagine most of the sleepers if you're in a deeper league uh, from the complex league have already been scooped up. Um, so you're kind of in hold mode at this point. And if you're in, you know, competing for uh, a title, you're doing what you can to make it happen. And if you're in some weird league where you can still make trades until the end, well, I don't know. That's, that's under chaos and you do as you will, sir. Um, first guy I want to talk about is somebody that we talked about a lot. He was very highly ranked. I would say it was arguably our most aggressive rank versus consensus versus even internally at baseball America. And that was Matt Shaw. We had Matt Shaw inside the top 30 was at 28 overall that we had. Shaw was promoted to double A Dylan uh, this week. So I was going to, I was going to talk a little bit about Matt Shaw and uh, how aggressive we were on. Cause I know we discussed him last week as well. Um, he was someone like I had mentioned that we were very aggressive on in terms of our ranking uh, overall and versus consensus sort, sort of internally and externally as well. Uh, he's done nothing but hit since coming into pro ball. We currently have him ranked in our unofficial FYPD list, which is just included in the top 200. Um, he would be sixth overall behind the big guns, you know, the top five that I think is probably going to be standard for most folks. Unless they want to deviate here or there off of one player, you know, it's probably going to be some sort of mix of Cruz, Skeens, Langford, Clark, Jenkins, and then six is really a question mark. And I think that's really sort of where your list is made this particular year as that top five is going to be etched in stone, just with some differences in terms of how you maybe rank them out or sequence them for us. It's shot number six, and I'm feeling really good about that. And if there's anybody that's going to be able to approach this top five, it might be Shaw. He's had a tremendous college career. This is a cold weather guy that went to, you know, I know it's a power five technically, but sort of like it's mid-majory to an extent. You know, this isn't an ACC school. It's not an SEC school. It's not even, you know, a Big 12 school. Um, you're talking about a Big 10 school in Maryland that's known for, for basketball, probably football more than they're known for baseball. But the baseball program has started producing players over the uh, last few years. Shaw, I think, is going to be the best of the bunch. Is he a shortstop long-term? No, absolutely not. I think he's a second baseman, but this guy is speed. He's got power. There's real feel to hit, you know, bat to ball skill. Uh, he's been a little aggressive in terms of his approach and swings um, this year, but I think he's somebody that kind of balances like those. And Dylan, I think you know what I mean when I say like a 26 to like a 29% chase rate from year to year. Um, but it's, it's balanced. He's not, he's not necessarily missing on pitches in the zone either, you know, um, it's it's sort of that line between aggression and you know a discerning approach that I think works for a lot of guys, especially if you do have above average to plus bat to ball skills, and you have above average to plus or better um, quality of contact. So when you have that mix, I think it can turn to a really exciting player. Power, speed, and average. He has the upside if everything goes correctly uh, to be a potential five by five star. So I like Matt Shaw a lot, seeing him promoted up to double A already, I think uh, shows some of the confidence there. And something that I was talking about in the Hot Sheet podcast today with JJ was just 
the aggression that we're seeing all of a sudden with a lot of these players um, coming out of the draft, we're, we're seeing teams aggressively promote them and send them up to higher levels. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Matt Shaw. I'm sure, you know, he's showing up pretty highly in Robo Scout already. Um, and was a guy that performed in college. I know you've been able to take a look at some of the college numbers too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't really have much to add uh, to what he said. He, uh, 89 plate appearances in high a 197 WRC plus. Um, he looks like a 2020 bat. Like he said, he probably won't be at shortstop, but if you're at third or if you're at second and you're 2020 with like a two, 70 batting average you're gonna you're gonna be good so yeah uh i i like matt shaw i like tommy Choi. i think there was i mentioned in my robust article this week that you know there was before the draft or at the draft there was talk of like you know tommy Choi or matt shaw kind of similar players um short stops 2020 ish good hitters but you know which one do you prefer and it looks like matt shaw is kind of separating himself and speaking of the, the way you're talking about of the aggressiveness of people promoting i think with the training and the data and the like pitch design stuff and hitting design for what, whatever you want to call that um, that's out there, like driveline and all these places. It's like the young, those who could afford it, um, the young hitters or, or pitchers are able to get this like top of the line world-class training and become really good, really fast. And they know what to work on and all that. So I think like maybe teams are realizing that these young players like are, are excellent they, they have the tools they're 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 ready to go maybe more or maybe faster than they have been in the past just with all the science that's out there um to help tool their swing and uh you know massage their mechanics into into optimal mechanics and repeatable mechanics so i think we may start seeing like uh an influx of of younger talent the average age in the major leagues may be younger and younger because you know they're able to compete yeah, and I think, you know, um, teams are getting more aggressive just in terms of trying to challenge players to maybe players are more ready-made than they had been years prior. Um, maybe the lower levels are younger than they've been simply because we eliminated short season ball. So there's just less places to put a lot of these players with skews younger. We saw at the beginning of the season, teams were really aggressively assigning international players and skipping sometimes the domestic complex league uh, and just going from the DSL right into full season or low a um, whether it's not in April, it might be in early or mid May or even early June. Um, and so we're seeing that more and more. And I just think it's a matter of less spots to fill sometimes, plus some other factors that are coming into play. And I certainly think the training and the tech certainly plays a hand in it. That's something that JJ brought up this morning. So that being said, let's take a, a quick break here. And then we'll jump into our main conversation. Where you say, Dylan? Let's do it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. 
What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And we're back. All right. Uh, main conversation today with some players that maybe underperformed this year, had an injury, um, whatever it might be. And they have some question marks going into 2024, but I think we've believed in the skills before. We've thought these guys were maybe top 100, top 200 type prospects for fantasy in the past. So why not again? Let's start with one who's been performing a lot. He led the hot sheet this week. That's Alexander Canario of the Cubs. Uh, had sort of a catastrophic injury in the offseason. If I'm not mistaken, he fell, hurt his shoulder and his knee. I have to double check on what the injury was specifically, but he had multiple injuries he needed to rehab from that happened in winter ball. So he missed almost all the season, came back in July, uh, June, July, and you know has really started to come on as of late. So somebody that we had kind of discussed when we were going through the top 200 prospects <laughs> process. Uh, what are your thoughts on Canario? Where are you at? And do you think this guy, whether it's in Chicago or elsewhere, could potentially have you know, see 350 to 400 plate appearances next year in the major leagues. I hope so. Um, he has always popped on sort of projection based models He's with power and speed. Maybe the speed has kind of slowed down, but still like 25 home run power. Um, and with the, with the proximity, 
he'd always be on like when I was making like my my prospect list. I'm like, I gotta have him this high because like he's just performing and he's just showing that he's gonna be able to perform. It's just been the injuries with him, it was like shoulders and I think he had some leg problems too. Um, so I think now that he's in AAA and he looks to be healthy and like he said, he's he had a he led the hot sheet. So you know he's he's starting to show what he can do and trying to get his legs back underneath him, so to speak. Um, yeah, I think he he will be in the in the major leagues next year. I think the the Cubs are a pretty interesting team going into next year. They have you know say Suzuki, Pete Crow Armstrong is probably going to be in center. Cody Bellinger's killing it. Christopher Morrell can play wherever he wants to play. The middle infield, Dansby and and um, uh, Nico Horner are are just killing it as well. Like they have a nice solid team, and then their their pitching development has uh, has come on too. Um, they've always kind of had the hitting development. So yeah, they're going to be an interesting team. So I'd love to see Canario in the majors next year. I kind of see him as like a, a 25 home run, 10 stolen base bat if he can get 600 plate appearances. Um, he's still pretty young. He's he's kind of been in the consciousness for a long time. Went first with the Giants. Um, as you know, part of that that young influ- in, influx of of young hitting they had at the time, like Luciano and Luis Matos, etc. He's still part of that crew. Um, so him knocking on the doors are exciting to me. I, I, I'm glad. I'm very happy for him that he's, you know, he's on the cusp of debuting. Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, just double checked too. So he had tripped over the first base bag in Dominican Winter League and dislocated his shoulder and fractured his ankle. So, uh, but but both things that you know, I think this could be a situation where. Kind of like Ian Kinzer, like early in his career, I don't know if you remember this or not, but was like injured a ton until like he wasn't. And then he was like an Iron Man for like the second half of his career. I think that happens a lot. Something that Jeff Zimmerman's brought up before in like the process book uh, where it kind of happens with hitters where it's just like kind of luck. There aren't too many guys who are necessarily injury prone as much as it is with like pitchers who are injury prone. And we see that happen consistently over and over again. So because it was a weird sort of contact injury. Hopefully Canario decides to take the winner off and just train, hit the cage, you know, uh, maybe, maybe don't run to first base. Uh, don't worry about that this year. Uh, we'll see. But anyway, next name I wanted to move on to here, Dylan was Addison Barger. He's a guy that really broke out in 2022 jump from high end Vancouver, where he mashed up the double a New Hampshire. He hit there for about a month or so and actually got up. If I'm not mistaken to triple a, Buffalo by the end of last year returned to Buffalo this year. He has not debuted yet uh, with the Blue Jays, but I have an interesting one um, as you know, Barger, I guess you could say the season has been up and down, um, but 23 years old, still, you know, on the 40 man roster. Um, so a guy that, that could be up in a pinch. It's just a matter of opportunities there. They did not call him up uh, yesterday when Matt Ch- Chapman went on the IL. Um, so that kind of tells you everything you need to know there. So it's been sort of like a league average year for Barger, but um, it's been trending better as of late. So what are your thoughts on Barger and sort of where do you fall in terms of where does he fit into the pecking order long-term in Toronto? Is he a guy that maybe they end up trading this offseason and he finds – opportunities elsewhere i think he's a big leaguer at some point it's just a matter of finding the right opportunity where there is playing time for him yeah i mean there's a lot there uh we liked him coming into the off season or the preseason 
I think we had him in our in our 100 coming into the season. A lot of that was, you know, he's going to be a, a major league bat. He's going to have, you know, 20 home runs um, and the proximity. So he's going to contribute pretty much immediately. It just kind of has been a lost season. He was injured for a while. Now he's kind of back. He's still, he still has 300 plate appearances now. So he's gotten um, some, some sample size now at AAA for this year, but he just hasn't been fantastic in any way. 101 WRC plus, seven home runs. Like his projections now have kind of tanked. He was, you know, 22 to 25 home run bat with like a 100 WRC plus coming into the year from some of the major public projection systems. And now, if you look now, if you just go to say Steamer 600, they have him as a 80, sorry, a 92 WRC plus. So below average, 16 home runs only, which is also below average, 238 batting average. Like it's kind of a lost season. And with Matt Chapman as a free agent this year, they're going to need the Jays are going to need someone at third base. Um, Barger's been playing equally at third and short this year, it looks like. But like on the broadcast yesterday, the Blue Jay game broadcast, they had they're talking about how before the game against the Nationals yesterday, they had Santiago Espinal taking grounders at third, of course, and then Whit Merrifield. They tried him out at third, and they had yep. Vlad at third. So there's talk of Vlad maybe playing third base, like. If you're trying that out in the middle of a sort of a, a pennant race, you yeah. make it into the playoffs and you're not calling up Addison Barger, who was kind of the heir apparent coming into the season to maybe play third base. It kind of speaks volumes of what they're thinking of him, maybe. So I've I've cooled on Barger, even though he's in AAA. He's 23, still young. He still has, you know, his prime ahead of him. Um, but he he has not uh, he's not done well this year. So and yeah, I, I will say this too. Um, had a tough first half of the season since July 1st, he's been pretty good 276, 396, 467. Um, slash line, it's got a 16.5 percent walk rate, which is really encouraging over that period. A 14.8 percent K rate, it's only 39 games. Um, but I think when you sort of put his season in perspective and sort of look at all right, you know, what was he doing? Prior to his injury, um, you know, misses the entire month of May, comes back, you know, fairly early in June. I think he returned the eighth. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a tale of two seasons a little bit for him. Um, and the sample size is actually bigger in the second half than it is in the first half. Uh, first half, just to put it into perspective, prior to his injury and then just right when he came back. So this is uh, from April 1st uh, to June 30th. 223, 331, 313, 12.3% walk rate. So the walk rate has been improving throughout the season, probably aided a little bit by the AAA environment and the ABS, of course. Uh, 29% strikeout rate. So he's really been a different player since sort of the, the calendar turned to June, uh, excuse me, July. And I think that's been good to see. Um, coming back from the injury, he had to get his footing a little bit and has seemed to sort of figure it out a little bit. Um, at triple a since you know and uh you know i know triple a stat lines can certainly be deceiving in terms of what the numbers are um but still a 119 wrc plus uh since june 1st so i think it's impressive and you know maybe this is just temporary uh and maybe we see barger next week i don't know um i know there's been maybe some some questions regarding like um like maturity and stuff like that early on in his career. Um, did miss some some time for something unspecified early in his career. But uh, 
overall, I think, you know, he's hit and coming out of 2022 or 2021, he's really been a different player and is definitely a prospect. And, you know, um, when you see the improvement in the hit tool, which has been, I think, a theme throughout the Blue Jays system this year, sort of in a sneaky manner, as we've seen guys like Cameron or Elvis Martinez really take, take a step forward in terms of approach. Leo Jimenez has really taken a step forward in terms of his contact and some of his swing decisions. And he's, oh, excuse me, uh, his quality of contact, the power is really taking an increase this year. Uh, so he's a guy that I'm going to be interested in for next year, actually, as well. Another name just to throw out there. But yeah, it wouldn't shock me if Barger finds opportunity sometime, maybe by the end of the year, beginning of next year. Uh, he's trending back in the right direction, Dylan. So fear not. Fear not, uh, loyal, loyal Blue Jays fan. Um, next name we're going to throw out here, I think, is maybe the trickiest one we're going to talk about today. Maybe the next two are. Uh, we're getting into the into the, the 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 deep waters here now. Matt Mervis for 2024. We know he had the big breakout in 2022. We saw the Arizona Fall League. He hits early. He gets his call up. We're all excited. He falls flat in his face. What do we do with Matt Mervis now, Dylan? Was it just a mirage in 22? I don't think so. Um, I, I don't really know what to back that up with because he hasn't blown the doors off in AAA this year. He's he's done pretty well. But, I mean, the, the quickest thing to do, I do, is I, I go to steamer projections on fan graphs just to see what is, what are they looking at. And they still have him as a 107 WRC plus, so above average bat, uh, 24 home run power. So they have not dinged him too much from the preseason. And when you look at what he's done this year, um, since July 1st, he has a 135 WRC plus with 10 home runs over 193 plate appearances. If you think that's cherry picking for the whole year, he has 346 plate appearances with a 134 WRC plus. So his whole body of work has been pretty consistent all season. So my projections have him as a 101 WRC plus with 21 home runs and that that'll play. It may not be a slugger at first base, and that's part of the problem is he is a first baseman, so like you want the bat to play up a bit. But like he has a barrel rate that's above average. His chase rate is better than average. His contact is just about average. His, his 90th ex- percentile exit velocity is above average. Like He he has the underlying stat support, um, even better, better numbers than he's showing right now. So I still like him. I think um, he could be playing first base for the Cubs next year and then for the next you know three or four years um depending on what they do uh in the off season but i i still kind of believe in matt mervis i think maybe now is actually a good time to maybe buy low in a dynasty league uh you may have to wait for the off season if you are past the trading deadline in your leagues but uh you know he's someone who's kind of post hype now um who you may be able to get good value on and someone will get rid of them uh, at a low price yeah, I agree with that. So let's summarize over these first three names here. Uh, Alexander Canario, Dylan, buy. I'd buy. Yeah, I'd buy. I'd buy, I'm depending buy. on the price. But uh, I, I think the price has come down, so I, w- I would buy right now. Addison Barger, buy, sell, or hold. Uh, if I have him, I'd probably hold. Um, I, I wouldn't buy him, I don't think. All right. Matt Mervis, buy, sell, or hold. Yeah, I'd buy. I'd buy Matt Mervis. All right, there we go. I like it. Um, I think I'm buying Canario. I would be a hold on Barger. 
Um, I think I'm uh, I'm still selling Mervis a little bit. I'm not sure I fully buy it, but I appreciate the argument with the underlying data. It is not bad. Um, just wonder if he's one of these guys that kind of sits in between being, you know, I don't want to say quad A because I think he's a major leaguer, but just maybe takes a few years to, for it to sort of click and figure out and maybe he has to get his opportunity somewhere else and not Chicago. All right, we're going to get into a really difficult one now. Jared Kelnick. What do we do with Jared Kelnick? We've seen multiple versions of Jared Kelnick this season alone, Dylan. He looked, you know, coming out the, out the gate, he looked like gangbusters. It was like, all right, all right, this might be a guy. Since then, he's really slowed down. So talk to me about Jared Kelnick and, and how are you how are you approaching this guy? Is he a buy or a sell or a hold for you? I don't know, man. I'm not convinced. He, he is a tough one. Like in, in a dynasty league, I think the people who have Jared Kalanick are going to hold on because of the flashes they saw this year. Um, he was obviously a highly pedigreed prospect. So they bought into that idea. And then, you know, he's been underwhelming until this year with the flashes that we were talking about that they're like, Ooh, that's, that's the Jared Kalanick that I want. So you're not going to be able to get him um, cheaply. And then would you be willing, should you be willing to pay the, you know, the price of what we thought Jared Kalanick was a few years ago? I don't know. He's 24. Like he said, it's, he's been inconsistent. He's injured now. I think he's on a rehab assignment or about to go on a rehab assignment. Um, like I said, just quickly looking at steamer, they have him. It is a 96 WRC plus. Of course, that's based on, you know, the struggles he's had in the major leagues. That's going to have a, maybe an overweight um, component to it because he hasn't been that good in the majors for very long. Um, 22 home runs, 16 stolen bases. They have him. Uh, so, I mean, that plays, if he's going to get regular playing time in Seattle, like I said, he's 24. So he still has his prime ahead of him. If he can continue to build on how he does against left-handed pitchers, um, that will be good. His defense isn't the greatest, but you know, it's, it's Okay. It, it, it'll play. Um, I think you just, you can't, you're not going to be able to get him. Cause I, re, I really think just on the, on the, the barometer or the pulse that I've seen in my leagues that the, 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 the players that the owners that have Jared Kalanick are not willing to, to part with them because they, they saw the flashes of the potential and they think there's a good chance of getting it and they don't want to risk trading it and having him actualize into a superstar. Um, so I don't think it's, you can get him for a good price. And so I don't know if it's worth trying to overpay. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and, you know, I think the thing with him too, is like he had this tremendous March, April, where he hit 308, 366, 615, I think it was over 25, 26 games. Had a 15 game sample in July where things were kind of, going his way a little bit wasn't hitting for a lot of power but really like his season got progressively worse like may was kind of mediocre june was downright bad and then july was up and down um and he got some batted ball luck he had 385 batting average on balls and play for behind that 268 average um without a lot of power or on base ability so the only month this year where he's been you know um a better than league, you know, average player um, was that March, April stretch. It was a 168 WRC plus. He was 97 in May, 
71 in June and 90 in July. And, you know, this is a guy that I really ranked highly and had very high hopes for as a prospect. It is not materialized. And, you know, I think sometimes he kind of wears uh, it on the field. So I don't know. I'm not, uh, I'm not buying back in. I, he's a guy that I've been out on for a couple of years now and I'll just let him click on somebody else's team. But I thought it was happening this season, but I think that overall slash line at 252, 329 is really heavy buoyed by the performance over that one sort of month and a couple of days stretch. So I'm a, I'm a sell on, I'm a sell on Kellen. Hmm. Can't a argue with any of that. Yeah. He just, I, I just, I can't buy back into it. And it's not like he plays in like a great home park. Like if this was a guy in Cincinnati, who was struggling and I was like, Oh, they're going to, they're committed to him long-term. But he's in Cincinnati, and the ball—you know—he's going to get some luck there in terms of stuff sneaking out, etc. I don't know. That's a tough park to hit into. Uh, it's a pretty good lineup, and you know they're a competitive team, and they might just move on from them. Frankly, at this point, it wouldn't shock me uh, if he's packaged with somebody else to upgrade another position on the field. Let's talk about another player who's been really frustrating because he was a guy who early looked like he was maybe breaking out, and I think everybody internally here at Baseball America was kind of rooting for it. He's a good guy. Uh, this is Garrett Mitchell of the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, really talented player that I think forever people were like, if he could just start to lift the ball more, hit for a little bit more power. He's such a good defender. He's so fast. You know, all this sort of thing. If he just hit for impact a little bit more, this guy would be a star. I thought we were seeing it. Big injury. Misses the entire season. Uh now he's going in next year, and it's like, you know, if he's fully healthy and ready to go, fine. But there's some major questions as to whether he's going to be good to go or not. So what are your thoughts here on, on Garrett Mitchell for next year? Um, the price might be low enough that I'd, I'd be willing to buy back in. He's got a lot more competition for playing time now than he had before in Joey Weimer, in Sal Frelick, and, you know, Christian Yelich, like his <laughs> options here, right? Yeah, I think if you want Garrett Mitchell, I think you could get him. I think anyone who has Garrett Mitchell on their team right now is wondering where is he going to play for all those guys you said. Um, Tyrone Taylor has also been pretty useful. Um, but I think because of the the defense, I think, you know, as long as he's healthy, he's going to maybe get the most playing time of those. I mean, Joey Weimer has good defense too. <laughs> and Frelick's pretty good as well. Um so maybe maybe that that argument isn't as strong as like comparing to say Kellenic, like it's the defense is significantly better than Kellenic's. Um, so yeah, he's a tough one. He's a tough one to buy in. How bad it's a shoulder injury? How how bad is it going to be? He's he's going to go into rehab. They say at the end of September. Um, hopefully that that'll make him healthy enough to to make it into into the playoffs on the major league team. Um, that would be great to see. Um, that'll probably go a long way too to see how they use him in the playoffs um, for his 2024 outlook. Um, just quickly looking at Steamer, he has a very, very similar projection actually to Jared Kellick. Uh, 84 WRC plus, so below average, 230 batting average, also low. Uh, 16 home runs, 18 stolen bases. They may be underselling the stolen bases there. But yeah, he was just starting to get going. Um, and then he had that injury that took him out for the year. So that was, that was disappointing, but I like him. I, I, I'm too worried to take a gamble on him before seeing him play back in the majors and also seeing how the brewers are going to deploy him. 
Um, but he's definitely could be, you know, a 2020 kind of guy, uh, maybe hitting near the top of the order. Uh, maybe not. And, but uh, because of the defense, he'll be getting the playing time. So I do like Garrett Mitchell. I just don't know how valuable he's going to be in fantasy over the next couple of years. Yeah. And I think that's probably the, the biggest question, right? It's just, can it all come together? Can he stay healthy? Is he going to have the playing time? Like it's just that culmination of, sort of circumstances aren't great with Mitchell. Uh, next guy I'm going to bring up to you is somebody I think has had maybe like three half-lifes, like as a fantasy prospect at this point. This is Xavier Edwards. Um, initially with San Diego when he was drafted, he was a big name in FYPD that had a ton of hype, kind of fell off, came back again, fell off again. Um, but there's been some that have held true. They hit tools great. There's obviously speed. He's been able to find another gear of utilized speed this year. I think that he hadn't previously. He's matured as a base runner. Maybe the reads, et cetera, are better. The rules are certainly helping that. Um, what do you think about Edwards? Because he's a divisive player because he doesn't have a lot of impact. But what are your thoughts for fantasy? Is this a guy that in 24 could maybe break out and be the Asturia Ruiz of next year? Or somebody that's going to help you win your stolen base category in a 5 by 5 I like him a lot. I've been waiting for him to to come up in uh, in redraft to help out at NFBC or whatever because he has been near the top of the AAA RoboScout boards for a long time. His his contact has been fantastic. He's a four point six percent swinging strike rate on the year, only seven percent strikeout rate, one twenty nine WRC plus. Um, you know he doesn't impact the ball that much, but he has a three fifty one. Batting average, 430 OBP. The slug's 458, which isn't horrible. 106 ISO. I mean, as long as it's over 100, uh, you know, it's serviceable. But the 32 stolen bases, I have him projected like 110 WRC plus, 10 home runs, 25 stolen bases if he had 600 plate appearances and like a 280 batting average. So he definitely can, can make a fantasy impact on your team if he gets to playing time. And I think that's the question, right? For Miami, who do they have? They have Jazz in center, Brian De La Cruz, Jesus Sanchez, Jorge Soler, I guess is the DH. Um, but that's the outfield there. Dane Myers played for a bit. Um, Avisail Garcia, when he's healthy, they play him. Um, I don't know if they should, but they do. So Edwards, if he plays center field or second base where Arias is, I think. Arise is playing second and, and Bell's at first, Josh Bell. There's not much room for playing time unless he, he really starts, like if he comes up and starts doing really well and they realize that he's an incredible table setter and they move him to the top of the line and they start playing him every day. So I, that's a scenario I can see playing out, I, but I think the, the median outcome is he comes up, he plays you know three out of seven games and he's useful and... And fantasy owners have to decide: Do we play him if he's not going to get the batting average or the the plate appearances, and just hope he gets you know two or three stolen bases a year? Is that worth the, the not getting the counting stats? It's going to be a tough decision. So I think really we'd have to wait till twenty twenty four. Really, it's hard to know what the outlook is going to be for playing time until you see how the spring training battles are, are shaping up and how they're actually roster constructing in the off season. Um, but I do like him. I do think he's a he's a a major league bat even without the impact he could be in a story ruiz maybe not as many stolen bases but definitely in the top you know 10 percent um 
And I, I like him a lot, and I'm hoping he comes up this year. Yeah, um, sort of feel the same. I'd like to see him uh, come up. Uh, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to be rostering him all over the place, but uh, you know, in my twelve in my twelve team league, just kind of sneaking some steals here over the last month. Um, yeah, he's batting average. He's not a bad at and a good streamer in twelve team sort of roto leagues too, right? Like <laughs> he's he's a redraft relevant uh, prospect. Speaking of two redraft relevant prospects, I want to bring up a couple here, Dylan. Um, that are now in the major leagues have been called up over the last couple of days, weekend, whatever you want to say. Sidney Raffaella, um, who is an outstanding defensive outfielder, can also uh, provide you above average, maybe plus defensive shortstop and in the infield. Uh, he can hit. There's some speed. Hunter Goodman just got called up by the Rockies. Doesn't really have a position. Tons of power. Off the chart sort of power. Um, I wouldn't say great on base ability, but it's improved this year um it's all about power with with goodman really that's 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 the profile is is power in coors um which one of these guys are you more likely to roster next year both is an answer um but who do you prefer who does the who does the robot prefer (laughs) um they're both in sort of the same rank according to the robot um, like you said, power for Goodman, the fact he plays in Colorado. Um, RoboScout doesn't know that that uh, Goodman's going to be playing in Coors. It has a, gives him a WRC plus for, you know, park neutral. And then so it's up to you as the as the consumer to realize, oh, he's going to get, you know, a 10 percent, 20 percent bonus on his on his offensive stats. I'm worried about Goodman next year, depending on how they they play him the rest of the year. Um they have Sean Bouchard, who they, they seem to like last year. Chris Bryant should be healthy. Um, they've got, you know, Jordan Bexter and Thompson kind of waiting in the wings. I know that they're outfielders, but um, El Harris Montero is has been playing some first base. He's not really a great third baseman. So there's a lot of competition for um, the DH slash first base slots for Colorado. Um, they're not a maybe a traditional team on how they deploy their rookies and, and they do make some curious roster decisions. So um, it's never a sure thing. How they're, how they're going to play it out, but I do like him. He was one of the, the standouts in RoboScout early in the year when he had, you know, 10 or 11 home runs quite quickly. He kind of slowed down, but consistently was hitting home runs and looks like, you know, 25 home run bat for sure. Um, I do like him. If you're lucky in some leagues, he's catcher eligible. Um, so you could get maybe some first base type production from uh, from uh, the catcher position for uh, as a sneaky play. He he's not that in NFBC. Um, he's first base, but uh, he's a good one. And Rafaela, great defense, great center field defense. Can also play the infield too. Twenty twenty um, with Duran injured. Uh, there's a lot of playing time opportunity for Rafael, of course, with Willie Abreu also on paternity leave, who they just called up. Duvall, though, seems to be to warming up. Verdugo has been very, very hot. So it'll be curious to see what happens with Boston when Duran comes back. Um, I think he's in a walking boot right now. So he's a he's a ways off. So Rafael can can you know cement his his status in the lineup. Boston's in in the playoff hunt too. Um, so they want to put their best lineup out there, but I'm curious to see how he does, but because of the elite defense, he has a, probably a longer, a better long-term outlook than say Goodman. And I'm curious to see how he does. He's a bit of a chaser, 
Um, as you know, in fact, you pro- your scouting report is going to be probably much better than mine. But uh, I do like Raphael, and probably as a dynasty asset, he's probably the one that you'd want. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily wrong. I think uh, Raphael is probably the guy I'm going to go after. Um, going to have less value in OBP leagues for sure. Uh, but thinking your standard 5x5, five five, um, the average might fluctuate from year to year. Um, I think I was saying off air to you, it could be like 240 to like 290 um, mm-hmm. just because he does chase. And a lot of it is based on where the ball drops and, you know, a lot of different factors, right? When you're that kind of hitter, um, your production is probably going to be less consistent. But I really believe in the speed um, and his base running ability. I think he's going to be an easy 30 bad guy without being a negative uh, in the power department and isn't going to totally tank your batting average. So I'm kind of interested to see how Raffaella fares and adjusts. Uh, this will be a, a, a good sort of... Um, training period or adjustment period for him with major league pitching uh, going into the off season and next year kind of gets to see it knows, knows what he needs to work on um, and gets ready going into 2024 to be a major part of this Red Sox lineup, which I think is kind of in their plans, frankly. So there you go, Dylan, a lot of topics we ran through it in 48 uh, minutes and uh, you know, about 45 seconds. So I guess uh, without further ado, Let's wrap this up. Midday podcast. We're doing the dang thing. Uh, Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in. This is Jeff Ponce. That's Dylan White. This was the Baseball America Fantasy Podcast. Cheers. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.